Peds Pod Series 1, an aid for the MRCPCH clinical exam. Go! Uh, hi, uh, my name is Professor Shak Qureshi. I'm a consultant paediatric cardiologist at Evelina Children's Hospital. Today we're going to uh, try and get rid of the mysteries of murmurs that you may come across in babies or children uh, at any examination or subsequently in your career. Everybody becomes very phased and stressed when presented with murmurs in trying to work out how to uh, evaluate the patient and how to make some sense of the murmurs. Uh, there are a few uh, reasonably easy guidelines and if you use those in the vast majority of cases approaching about 95% uh, you'll be able to get either the right answer or certainly uh, have a common sense discussion with the examiner as well as uh, in the clinics. So let's start with um, pansystolic murmurs first of all. There is a simple rule that works about 95% of the time and that is that if a murmur is loudest, and this is where you have to rely on your hearing, if the murmur is loudest above the third intercostal space, then 95% of the time that murmur is likely to be an ejection systolic murmur. You then have to work out whether it's loudest on the left side of the uh, sternal border or the right, and that will give you a clue. If the murmur is loudest below the third intercostal space, then 95% of the time that murmur will be a pansystolic murmur. So that's one reasonably easy way of differentiating between the systolic ejection and the pansystolic murmurs. The next thing that you have to rely on is whether uh, you are able to hear the first heart sound. In the books, um, you will be taught about pansystolic murmurs starting with the first heart sound and going through to the second sound, well, uh, in practice, the main thing that you have to assess is if you can hear the first heart sound or not. If you cannot hear the first heart sound and the murmur starts with it, the murmur may stop short of the second sound, but it is still a pansystolic murmur. I if it goes through to the second sound, then clearly it is a pansystolic murmur, but otherwise you can still have a pansystolic murmur starting with the first heart sound but not going through to the second sound. Uh, so that's very important to know and as I said 95% uh, of the time pansystolic murmurs are loudest below the third intercostal space. Sticking with the pansystolic murmurs um, you have to think about the causes and uh, from the cardiac point of view there are three main causes uh, that you have to remember the top of the list in the pediatric population is likely to be a ventricular septal defect. The second commonest cause would be mitral regurgitation. The third commonest cause would be tricuspid regurgitation. And um, radiation of murmurs will give you some clues as to which one of those is most likely. For example, if a pan-systolic murmur radiates uh, towards the axilla, uh, then it is likely to be mitral regurgitation. Uh, if it's a lower intensity uh, th and at the lower left uh, sternal border, then it is likely to be tricuspid regurgitation. Ventricular septal defect murmurs tend to be mostly mid to lower sternal border. Uh, they tend to be loud. The louder the murmur, the smaller the VSD. So that's um, uh, how to deal with pansystolic murmurs. Now, if the murmur is loudest above the third intercostal space, 
and you can hear the first heart sound. It doesn't matter if the murmur goes through to the second sound. First heart sound is the most important one to try and clarify. Then it is an ejection systolic murmur, and then you have to decide whether it is loudest at the left sternal border or the right. If it is left sternal border, then it is likely to be due to pulmonary valve stenosis and occasionally branch pulmonary artery stenosis. If the murmur is loudest towards the right sternal border, then it is likely to be due to aortic stenosis. Aortic stenosis may be subclassified into sub-aortic stenosis and supravalvar aortic stenosis. Uh, but essentially the outcome is the same. It is aortic stenosis. Then, if the murmur is loudest at the right sternal edge and radiates into the carotids, or if you've got a suprasternal notch thrill, then clearly that patient will have aortic stenosis rather than pulmonary stenosis. Pulmonary stenotic murmurs will radiate through to the back and not into the carotids, and that can also be a, another clue. Uh, and then the last category of murmurs, uh, organic or pathological murmurs, that is, are the continuous murmurs, Continuous murmurs have a blowing quality to them, uh, but uh, they're a bit like breath sounds, uh, but obviously match the heart rate. Uh, these continuous murmurs tend to be loudest below the left clavicle, occasionally below the right clavicle. Uh, and if uh, that is the case in a patient without any scars, then that is likely to be due to a patent arterial duct. If there are scars and continuous murmurs, then that's likely to be due to a Blalock-Tausig shunt, which is a shunt created by the surgeons between the aorta or the uh, subclavian artery uh, with a pulmonary artery. And that will then help to clarify the continuous murmurs. So um, do not get phased or stressed by uh, murmurs that you have to evaluate in exams. If you're cool and um, logical about them, you should be able to work them out. The 95% rule works, but it really only works if your hearing is good and you're able to locate uh, or localize the site of the uh, intensity of the murmur. Um, so keep calm and um, uh, good luck in the exam when it comes to murmurs. Thank you for listening.